It's time for Tupelo Tom and Big Lou talking. And now, here's Tupelo Tom and Big Lou. I'm Tupelo Tom. And I'm Big Lou. And, and we're, we're talking. talking. Oh, look at you. Man, we got it down finally. You know, after a year now uh, of, <laughs> One of year. doing this podcast, uh, we, we finally got it down. Uh, Jeff, it is December of 2023. And uh, this episode, what I'd like to do is is kind of look back at our year in podcast, but also our look back at the year in Elvis and Elvis events, festivals and concerts and and events that we've been to and heard about and read about. And also we have a special guest coming up later in the show, j- joining us from his home studio in Branson, Missouri. The incredible entertainer of Dean Z is coming, going to going to be right here with us. Very excited about that. Dean's one of my best friends. He is, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Dean Z fan. So it's going to be fun to interview a friend and a guy that I just admire and, and, uh, am, am a fanboy of. Yeah. You know, Jeff, having extensively interviewed people, it is incredibly hard to interview a friend Yes, because you have to always remember there's an audience out there that doesn't know about this person or, and you want to keep it fresh and you want to, but it sometimes just, I hope it doesn't involve into, remember that time we were, and you were so funny. We were doing that. And I know that's funny too. And so it's I'm tough. not it's wearing really tough. underwear. I know. <laughs> not again. So, and you know, one of the things I'm proudest of is that you and I throughout the year, we talk a lot, but in some ways, this is the most we talk in a month doing it is. the podcast. Because neither one of us have anything else. We've kind of blocked the afternoon. Alex has to sit here and listen to it all and kind of put it together. Uh, Alex, a, a year of doing that, and you're still here. It gives me purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, I knew there was a reason he was he was he was hanging out. My special purpose. That's right. Well, you find your special purpose, <laughs> Navin Johnson. And I got to tell you uh, to celebrate the one year, Alex. You have just done an incredible job of of making us relevant of the social media work, the artwork, the production. You've just done a fantastic job between TikTok and all the other things that Tom and I are completely oblivious to. You've just done a great job. Thank you for everything. It's been a wonderful year. Thank you, guys. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, I got to hang out with Jerry Schilling for an hour or so, and I have his home number here. (laughs) I can't do anything with it, but it's it's here. That's... (laughs) So um, I'll have to call him and tell him if he gets any phone calls in the middle of the night. It's just <laughs> it's just Alex verifying the number. <laughs> he won't. <laughs> this has been a it's been an interesting year. I mean, I feel like things kind of uh, during the month uh, of January, we had one of the lowest points uh, in Elvis history in the last 45 years, really, uh, when we lost Lisa Marie at such a time when things were so positive and and. We were entering into that week of uh, the Golden Globe Awards, and uh, just shortly after that, she passes away, and the movie goes on. It's nominated for uh, the Elvis film from Baz, nominated for eight Academy Awards, and and it just it it's just been such a roller coaster of a year. But I feel like, in a way, we're back to at least some type of normal in having festivals and events and concerts. Do you feel that way? I do, and and similar, you know. You, I know that you and I, Alex, is probably too young, but you and I remember exactly where we were when Elvis died. <clears throat> and I feel like I'll always remember where I was when when I heard about Lisa Marie. 
Yeah. And of course, her and I were close to the same age, both born in February. So I was convinced growing up that somehow we were related. Yeah. Otherwise, why would I be such a big Elvis fan? And so there's always been that connection with her as, you know, she was part of Elvis still being here. So, yeah, it was uh, very sad. I I feel so bad for the family, everything that happened after that. But um, it's also one of those uh, events that um, I think shows how difficult it is to live your life in the public eye. Yes. She made headlines in the Memphis papers the day she was born. They had an afternoon paper. She made the headlines the day she was born. Wow. And she's every move of her life was out there. Um, going to restaurants, getting out of a car, walking to the mall, going into a store, coming out, buying ice cream, whatever. There's always people there taking your picture, judging you. Now we have social media. We can share our thoughts on, on people. And it just, it, it, it broke my heart for the family being friends with Priscilla. It broke my heart for the family. And then all of that having to play out in the public following, uh, Lisa passing and all of the legal things that, and and I just look back at it and I just remember Riley never spoke of it. Priscilla never spoke of it. Everything we heard in the media was so-and-so said so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Well, I can say so-and-so. I, you know, yeah. I have no connection. I, you know, And as long as you're quoted, just because it's printed doesn't mean it's true. And it, it makes me remember, oh, I, I'm, you know, there's there's something to be said for living a quiet life and and not being in the in the public eye. There's there's advantages. You get great tables at restaurants, but there's a big price to be paid, and that is uh, no privacy at all. And the Presley family, pretty much since 1954, the Presleys have been you know in the news. Speaking of which, I, I watched a movie I love and and actually recorded it. I'm watching it again tonight. Broadcast news, mm-hmm. and it's a great film. And one of the things they talk about is that people in the press will be talking at the White House and then someone else will overhear it and say, White House sources say. Mm-hmm. You know, I think so much of that had to be part. Of, and Lisa wasn't getting compared to, oh, she kind of sounds like so-and-so when she sings or she, when she acts, she does this. She's being compared to Elvis every single day of her life. Yeah. And uh, it's sad she's gone and... um it you know certainly was definitely the low part, lowest part we've had in the Elvis world for a while. And ending the year uh, with a television special back on NBC at Christmas time, uh, live from Graceland, hosted by Riley and uh, the performers. That to me, I thought it was incredible to see Graceland alive again with music, with performances, with young artists who. The Elvis fan base may not know, and that's okay, but those artists brought their fan bases to watch a special, maybe not to see an Elvis from Graceland special, but to see a Lana Del Rey uh, appearance or an Alanis Morissette performance or a John Legend or Lainey Wilson. All of these performers, Kane Brown, from all genres of music, singing and and post Malone all singing and professing their love for Elvis thus introducing their fan bases to the music and the presence of the king that's why that special existed you can say it would have been better if it had just been Elvis if it had just had tribute artists whatever the minute 
they want to produce a special. I'm sure NBC will sit down and talk to them, all these fans that are on Facebook talking about it. Everybody has an opinion, but I think Riley, for her first time out of the gate, within a year, not even a year since her mom has passed, to to bring something like that to the Elvis fans, uh, we should be appreciative and we should welcome the new Elvis fans, as I always say, welcome them in the room to Elvis. Let's not get caught arguing at the door between each right. other. And I loved, of course, my favorite part was when she was in the kitchen just talking. I loved how they went to every part of the planes, the pool, yeah. the stable. I thought it was incredible. But Riley, watching her, never seen her in person. I've seen her work as an actress. She's an amazing actress. She seems like such a genuine and nice person. But what she did for me in that special was, oh, man, Graceland is actually a house. Yeah. That was a home. And yeah. that was the first time I think I ever really looked at it. And she just walked in. And it felt like she was, we were at her house for the yeah. holidays. I thought it was really remarkable. You bring up a great point. That's the special that anybody would have done from their house if they had a NBC production crew parked outside and, and right. you were welcome, you know, welcoming them into a living, breathing home. Um, and it's interesting. I Back during August, during Elvis week, uh, Angie Marchese and I did tours of the mansion. Uh, and I think I ended up, I think I did seven tours of the mansion. I did a couple with, uh, with Jerry, a couple with Linda Thompson, a couple of just fan. Uh, but I figured up during the course of Elvis week, I spent... 28 and a half hours in the mansion. Wow. So uh, just during that Elvis week, I mean, I, I, I'm always honored to be able to, to assist Angie who needs no help uh, doing those tours, but to spend that kind of time in the mansion when it's so quiet, when there are only 10 fans in the room and, and you're walking through and you're really feeling the home to see it on TV, to see it alive, I just think was wonderful. And, uh, Post Malone, uh, you was know, that cool? He, you know, <laughs> he said, said, "I f and love Elvis," and yeah, jumped in. That was yeah. so cool. And whether you believe or not that that was planned or unplanned, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, something tells me he might have checked with someone since he was wearing electronic ear, ear you know, <laughs> an in ear with a battery pack, and he was wired up for sound and had an electric guitar in his hand. Something tells me he might have checked with somebody on if that was doable. Um, <laughs> right. But people have said to me, you know, like, don't you think that was disrespectful? And I said, well, he's an Elvis fan. He was invited there by Riley. Uh, Elvis used to shoot, Elvis and the guys would shoot Roman candles at each other. Uh, <laughs> they would ride golf carts up and down the hill shooting uh, Roman candles at each other. They would target practice standing in the driveway and, or standing in the carport shooting into the smokehouse target practice. I don't think Elvis would have had a problem with somebody jumping in his pool, <laughs> especially after having just sung a song and saying what he said about how much he loved Elvis. So and if, if Elvis were watching, he would have, in my opinion, died laughing, thinking that was so funny. And, and uh, that he, I mean, you know, you see when he gets the old videos we have of Elvis and the guys clowning around and I can just see him just laughing, thinking, Oh, that was hilarious. And, you know, looked unplanned, whatever it was. 
But no, yeah. I, I thought it was fantastic. And I thought it was very Elvis. He put firecrackers under Charlie's feet sometime. I mean, they were always these these things going on, you know, uh, among Elvis and the guys. And uh, I just think it's great to, to to see the life that was that was coming to to Graceland through that special and all those different kinds of artists. Yeah. Um, performing their songs and, and dedicating that whole hour to, to Elvis. And uh, man, Riley, thank you so much for that. Yes. And, uh, you know, the part that gets kind of forgotten too for, uh, for us in Tupelo, hey man, when you have a, a child and you name your kid Tupelo, that's a pretty good connection, understanding that you know who you are. <laughs> yeah. um, and a way to honor Elvis without, you know, naming them Elvis. Uh, Tupelo's a pretty good choice. That, 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 you know, I'm Tupelo Tom, but now I got another Tupelo out there. So, uh, you know. <laughs> well, just kind of s- says something else about Elvis and this Elvis world that we're in. Uh, the year started out tragic, and I think it ended up with an uplifting view of Graceland and his granddaughter hosting friends, talking in the kitchen like Elvis did a million times. And that's how we ended the year. And I just thought it was a beautiful kind of full circle to uh, say, hey, we're going to be here. We're going to continue to be Elvis fans, and there's more to come. Yeah. And uh, the other part, as we record this this podcast, uh, this week the Golden Globe nominations came out, and uh, we'd just like to congratulate uh, the actress who plays Priscilla in the new uh, Sofia Coppola Coppola film uh, called Priscilla. Kaylee Spaney, Spaney, I, I haven't heard her name pronounced, and I apologize, but the actress who plays Priscilla got a Golden Globe nomination uh, for Best Performance by a Female Actor in a Motion Picture. And she's competing against people like, you know, Annette Benning and Carrie Mulligan and some other actresses. So for, for, the, for the Priscilla movie to be honored with a nomination for the actress who plays Priscilla, um, I think is just another, another feather in the cap of continuing the story of, of Elvis. And, and I, I have yet to see the film. It was here in Tupelo for a short time, but I was, had other things. I was I, so busy. I couldn't make it. Um, I hope to see it soon when it's available, but it was an opportunity for Priscilla and uh, Sophia Coppola to tell her story. So I'm, I'm anxious to see it. And I know people have split decisions on it. All I say is at least see the movie before you, you don't like it. <laughs> you know, it just... I, I've yet to see it, but I'm definitely going to. I've talked to several people that really enjoyed it as a film. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. And yeah. I'll uh, uh, base my opinion on that. But it's just, again, it's it's another thing that has Elvis in it. Yeah, another another way to, to get the, the, the word out and to get the story out. And, uh, you know, that's kind of, at the beginning of the year, Jeff, that's kind of what I thought about this podcast of... There, I didn't see a lot of uh, podcasts out there talking about Elvis in a way that I wanted to do it. You know, Alex and you had the idea to do this probably two years ago. Yes. But it took me a year to figure out, well, what do we want to do? What are we going to talk about? I mean, why do we want to do this if we don't have anything to say? I don't want to just be, you know, remember that movie? Oh, I love when he did that and when he punched that guy. That was great. That was, you know, that was uh, that was Joe Esposito. He hit there. That was D- Dick Grobe or whatever. I just didn't want to do that. And so I, I think this is really still finding itself. But I, it, I'm really proud of the year that we had and and the things that we talked about. I hope in a way that there are uh, Elvis fans that we know that we see at festivals all the time that are listening on their way to or from a festival. And maybe there's some, some new Elvis fans that have found us and Googled us and, and, and found the podcast and find it interesting as to what we have to say about, uh, 
the history of Elvis and his timeline and his uh, his era of music and uh, some of the some of the people that we've been able to have on the show. Um, I, I'm I'm very proud of it, and I'm proud of uh, the work that Alex has done, like you said, in putting it all together and making us sound hip and cool, and uh, doing all those things on social media in uh, in keeping us, Jeff, keeping us relevant as well as Elvis. <laughs> That's right. Well, I've, Tom, I've enjoyed, uh, it's been a great year. Uh, like I said, you're one of my best friends. We have a lot of fun and we have a lot. Obviously I knew once we started quoting longest yard and WWE and Dixie dance Kings <laughs> that we were at a special plane of friendship. And so to be able to share that on the air and, and have people we know and people we don't know, uh, listening to our, Take on Elvis is really cool. I just got back from Australia, uh, performed on a cruise there with uh, Dean Z and Bill Cherry, Jay Dupuy, uh, Ben Thompson, Sean Clush. I think that's – and then uh, several um, uh, Australian ETAs that are great guys. <clears throat> TIC was the band. And so many people approached me on that ship that listened to our podcast, and it was so weird to be on the other side of the planet – and they were quoting stuff that we had said. And, wow. And so we, we have a, a lot of friends in Australia. So g'day. And uh <laughs> miss you guys already. So I'm, I'm going to have a Fosters tonight. I'll have a Fosters in honor of the uh, Which of is the made in the United States. Is it really? I, I, actually, I actually had a conversation with a guy about Fosters. Great guy. Um, and, and we talked about... Uh, how that was one of the misconceptions that Foster's isn't actually the Australian beer we've been sold. Wow. It was over here. And I'll tell you, people are going, why are you telling us this story? It was so cool talking to this guy because he's exactly what you would think of if you're an American about the good old Aussie, right? And this guy for a living takes American muscle cars and moves the steering wheel over to the other side so they can drive it in Australia. Wow. That's just isn't that cool. Wow. Yeah. But that, uh wow. but they were very nice people and they love Elvis and and it was it was neat to be recognized by people who listen to our podcast over there. So that's amazing. For that's all amazing. of you around the world in the States, thank you for listening and putting up with us for a year and letting us do this. And it is uh, amazing. I went back and, and made some notes, Jeff, from uh, some of our podcasts. Our pilot uh, dropped, and that's the term that Alex told me to use. Um, <laughs> I would say became available or or went on sale, except it's not for sale. Uh, the pilot dropped on November thirtieth, twenty twenty two. Wow, Isn't that wow. amazing! It's been just over a year, and uh, you know, it wasn't just regular broadcasts. Uh, of po- see, I'm saying broadcast podcasts. I come from that old linear live TV world, Jeff. <laughs> I, I was unaware in the first three or four podcasts that we could even edit this thing. I thought it yeah. rolled and it was just done like a radio show. Um, we also did some special things. Uh, we had a little Samantha Chambliss segment that uh, yes. we, we had her on. And uh, we also did uh, uh, one where uh, it was a question. I mean, I've done a lot of interviews in my life. I got to interview Paul McCartney, but I never got to ask Baz Luhrmann a question, Jeff. And you did. Yes. Yeah, and it's something that to this day I think was as cool a moment as I've ever had. And uh, I loved how it started because I, I thought somebody, I thought he called on somebody else. So I stood up and I immediately sit down and he goes, No, 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 you. Anybody gets up with that kind of energy? And I thought, Boy, I've never been told I got up with energy before. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, 
and I asked him a question for him to respond the way he did, uh, that he loved the question. He's been doing all these pressers. And it was his favorite question he'd been asked. It was just really cool. And it was something I genuinely, I didn't do it to hear myself talk. I really wanted to know what it was like to go ahead and show Elvis from 1977. Cause I know that's something that's been kind of hidden and ignored a lot. And, and to me, it's as important a part of Elvis's life as 1956. And to this day, when I watch that movie and I've certainly seen it a lot of times, uh, I haven't seen it once that scene one time that I haven't had tears in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what he was able to do and, and how he, the, the pre-production of what he did in prepping himself for that Elvis movie and Austin in some yes. ways, the pandemic, because um, I think I said in the podcast when we did it, talking about the movie that one of the first people that we in America heard that got COVID was Tom Hanks. And he was yes. in Australia when he got it, getting ready to play Colonel Parker in that movie. And they had to delay shooting of the film and that gave Austin time to work on the character and the moves. And it gave the crew time to work on the costumes and it gave the set people time to work on, and it gave Baz time to learn more. So the yes. movie would have been different without COVID. It, it was something, there was some unexpected free time that was totally used by all the production people there in Australia. And the other part that still blows my mind is every frame of that movie was shot in Australia. Yeah. Incredible. It's just it's just amazing. So we had that little segment. And one of the other segments we had that I heard a lot about was the uh, This is the Story. We had the uh, Jeff version and the Tom version of us telling our stories of how we came to love Elvis. And a lot of that was – I wanted to, to, there to be a place for people to go and to easily see a small little segment of – to answer the question that everyone invariably has, who are these guys? Right. And those two little pieces there, this is the story, Jeff's version and Tom's version, kind of like Taylor's version. You see what I was doing there? You know, when she recorded all her songs, you know, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor Swift, Jeff. Talking to the young people there. Yeah. He thought Andy Taylor from, you know, Andy Griffith's right. show. I know Travis uh, Kelsey. I don't know. Ta oh, okay. Uh, oh, they're, they may be broken up by the time this uh, airs or they could be married <laughs> with five kids. It could go really seriously either way. Tony Romo <laughs> yesterday on the live broadcast of the show said uh, uh, Travis's wife, Taylor, and I guess Twitter or whatever it's called, X or V, whatever it's called now, just blew up by people, everybody going crazy. And he goes, I just, I was just kidding. Does he know something we don't know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. And uh, so we talked about uh, 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 your question with Baz and, and our versions of the, of the show. We uh, One of the episodes, uh, we talked about our reactions to the Elvis movie and the Oscars. Didn't do quite as well as we as we wanted it to at the Oscars, but to be nominated, uh, eight nominations for Elvis. Again, one Golden Globe nomination and Oscars uh, for 2024 yet to be announced. Uh, hopefully the Priscilla movie does well there. And then one of the most controversial Elvis projects of the year, and I would dare say in the last five years, uh, was the Netflix animated series Agent Elvis. <laughs> Which I didn't think I liked until you and I talked about it. <laughs> and then when you started bringing up all those references, I was like, well, I promise yeah. you'll see that again. And I watched it again and loved it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 chock full. And, and, I, and they just announced about a week or so ago, I don't know if you saw, that they're not going to be doing a season two. So it's gonna it's going to live 
in that little capsule of time of those eight or nine, whatever, how many episodes there were. Um, and I think it's going to be something that over the years people kind of discover. Yeah. Uh, we, we were talking about uh, Elvis's sense of humor and how he would, what he would have thought of, of, uh, of uh, Post Malone jumping in the, in the pool and everything. And, and I've had some people that knew Elvis, worked with Elvis, say Elvis had a, you know, a fun sense of humor and would have, I mean, for goodness sake, they didn't make Scatter Up. The Elvis, the man actually owned a monkey. I mean, yes. so there had to be a sense of humor in there somewhere. Uh, there really was a Scatter. They didn't create that for the cartoon series. Um, and that kind of blows me away. I think there's going to be people that see Agent Elvis and with this Scatter the monkey and think, well, why'd they add that? And they're going to discover, oh, he had a monkey named Scatter. <laughs> I think it'll have a Bubba Hotep kind of legacy. Yeah. You I, know, I, yeah. which is, is just a great Elvis movie if you watch it what a what a great storyline and it's kind of reached this cult status i think it could it could be like that as we watch and get used to it you know yeah yeah and and younger generations are are coming into the elvis world one of the things because of uh in this year um we've been seeing so many new fans and young fans you know coming into the elvis world and coming into the festivals uh and then we started uh, toward the end of the year uh, in august uh for our edition, we had Jerry Schilling as a guest. And that was our, it was very important to me. You know, we always knew from the beginning, we wanted to have a guest, but it was important to me to have that guest be somebody that was connected one degree from Elvis. And uh, thank goodness Jerry agreed to, to do that with us. And uh, we, we just had a, a great time with Jerry. And he has told me since then that he's had such a wonderful time sitting and talking about Elvis and, you know, he, he said he loves talking to people that 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 know Elvis, that know the history, because uh, he's done so many interviews over the years with people who just have a list of they don't even know who he is or his relationship with Elvis. So I thought that was a fun time, too. And I know uh, for Alex, like you said earlier, that that was a that was a big deal to be able to to work with Jerry. It, it was. And, and that I think that's the appeal of, of what you guys are doing. There's not many people that are still around. And, and luckily, you guys have had that interaction with these people. And that's what we're trying to, to share here yeah. are these stories that you might not hear. It was definitely, to me, the biggest highlight of the year uh, yeah. that, that that gave us credibility uh, that we want and, and strive for. And he was such a gracious man nice, very forthcoming. Yeah. Uh, he didn't yeah. phone it in. I mean, even though he's on the phone, uh, <laughs> he really committed to the interview. And, and, um, uh, if he hears this, uh, and next time I see him, uh, just a big thank you and a very special moment for us. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine for a long time. And, uh, there have been many, uh, decisions made Jeff in the last 10 years of about my life and career and what I wanted to do. And, and Jerry's always the first phone call, uh, to, to, because as a businessman, as an agent, as a manager, he's so wise. And, uh, one of the things I learned from him was, uh, and I don't want to give this away, but I'm, this might be giving it away. Uh, don't do everything you're offered. They can't miss you if you don't go away. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've, as, as I've gotten older, uh, that I, that I, I remember. And I think about, I, I absolutely love doing the festivals. I want to do as many of them as I can, 
but those that I miss, I think, well, this, this is, it's okay. I don't have to be at every one of them. They, they won't miss me unless I go away. So it's just a little bit of that Jerry Schilling thought process into how to look at, uh, how to, how to look at showbiz. He's had the opportunity many times to, to be invited to Graceland and, and make an appearance, but he's like, oh, you know what? I was there last year. I'll take an off year and I'll be back next year just for that very thing of how can they miss me if I don't go away? I keep telling yeah. him I want to get him a pillow with that embroidered on it. How can they miss me if I won't go away? <laughs> uh, and, and that's, and then we had Jerry and then uh, the month, the next month, uh, just weeks following his uh, ultimate win, uh, Cody Daneth, who we are both just absolutely just one of the great guys of the Elvis tribute world. One of the, a super fan of Elvis before he even picked up a microphone with his knowledge and, and love of Elvis and his uh, long, long awaited and, and in some ways overdue, but that makes it even sweeter for him to, to be the ultimate uh, champion in this past August in, in 2023. It was, it was one of the rare times, maybe the only time that everybody in that auditorium wanted him to win. If he wouldn't have won, I hate to, I don't know how the judges would have got out of there, but he earned it. This wasn't <laughs> yeah. a uh, attrition. It wasn't a win by attrition. He worked hard. And I love the story. How he, you know, he said about six or seven months out, that's when he began the work physically. Uh, he worked with, with uh, Casey and, and on his vocals and what it meant to listen to his lyrics when he was singing and I would just, it's really cool to see a guy who doesn't rest on his laurels. And the whole, and by the way, <clears throat> the whole time he's running festivals and producing festivals. Uh, and Tom, you weren't there when I did this. I waited as long as I could. You and Cody watched SummerSlam 23 before the Ultimate, correct? You're exactly right. On the Sunday night uh, of Elvis week, so the competition starts on Thursday, I think. Uh, on that Sunday night, uh, passing through on the way to Memphis, Coach stopped off in Tupelo, see Charlie and Peggy, I think. And we spent the evening uh, in my downstairs basement uh, in the bar. I have a little bar down there. It's re really cool. Hopefully, I'll get you on the pass list sometime, Jeff. And, and, <laughs> and, uh, now, Alex has been there uh and, quite nice and, and sign the guest book but jeff you haven't been invited yet so one day we we're hoping <laughs> if we get to really take this friendship you know on we'll have you there but no he came in and we we watched SummerSlam, and i'm an old school wrestling fan i grew up watching mid-south wrestling out of memphis uh with jerry the king lawler when he was wrestling and jackie fargo and tojo yamo i'm an old school guy like 70s and 80s uh ultimate warrior uh, hulk hogan uh rowdy roddy those guys and there's been a whole era or two since I was in the middle of loving wrestling. Well, Coat bridged that for me and was able to, it was kind of like being a fan of Days of Our Lives for 25 years. And then for 25 years, you don't see it. And you can catch up like that. Yeah. Because nothing's really happened. It's just the same stories and the same, but it's so incredible. And he's, he's so knowledgeable about Elvis, but he's really knowledgeable about wrestling. He was able to catch me up on who this person was. Well, they studied under so-and-so, and that's one of your guys, so you should like them. I'm like, okay, great. Who's the bad guy? Who's the good guy? Okay, good. We did that, and, and I don't think we ever talked about Elvis or what was coming up that week or anything. I think we just ordered pizza and watched wrestling on that Sunday night. And I think that really was something 
he needed. He needed that day off. And so I found a football helmet that had the SummerSlam 23 logo on it. And of course I had Alex, yourself, I don't know, I bet there's 50 signatures on there maybe of a bunch of ETAs and our staff and the ETA festival staff and gave it to him for Christmas, but I gave it to him early uh, when we were in St. Simon's Island, Georgia, which we had a great festival there after Helen. And uh, he just had, he just couldn't believe it. So he'll always have that to kind of remember what happened right before we won. But I was so proud of him. And Tom, what I've seen since then, we've had several festivals since then, is he has just continued to do what our upcoming guest, Dean Z, and others have done. He didn't just win the ultimate and sit back and go, all right, now I want ultimate money. He started working and working on his craft. He's working harder now than before. And in St. Simons, uh, we... Um, kind of a a rough, real rough uh, incident where uh, we got a phone call one morning and, and Cody's granddad, which had so much to do with Cody's life, he used such a huge influence on Cody, passed. And it's interesting to think Papa's what we called him, very special man. I never saw him without a smile on his face, ever. And he... It's almost like he waited until Cody won the ultimate, until Cody's mm-hmm. sister was kind of had purchased her first car and kind of had some money. You know, okay, my job is done. Yeah. Now I can go rest. And I got to hand it to Cody. He, that day, he took the stage, the last show of the festival, and he absolutely was the definition of the show must go on. He did something else that I don't know if I could have done or would have done, but I was very proud of him. He told the audience what had happened, and he 100% wore his emotions on his sleeve. It was real. It was emotional. He brought us all out on stage with him. And I don't know that I would have had the courage to do that, but he looked at the audience. He said, I love you. You're the reason I'm here. Uh, We are all family. We're all Elvis family. This is what has happened. And it was a very powerful, real emotional time. And it was all I could think was, thank you, Elvis, that we're all together. Thank you so much. I'm getting choked up thinking about it. But it was a real special moment. I'll never forget Alex is on stage with us. And I'm just so proud of him. Uh, Love him like a son or brother. I don't know which it is. And he's continuing to work and tour. And we're going to have a lot of fun next year. And he's going to be a great representative for Elvis Presley Enterprises. And uh, we started uh, something in, uh, in in Nashville and in Franklin a few years back uh, doing a Christmas show with Coat. And uh, luckily, we booked him for this year before he had an ultimate bump in salary. So we, we locked him. We locked him into the pre-ultimate, uh, <laughs> but we have, um, you know, we at Brian, uh, Brian Mays, my, uh, the co-producer of the Nashville Elvis Festival. Uh, lives there in Franklin, and, and there's a beautiful venue called the Franklin Theater where we started the Nashville Elvis Festival. We kind of outgrew it on uh, moving to the factory a couple of years ago. Uh, but we love to come back to the Franklin Theater, and uh, we've done one Christmas show. And a year or so ago, Brian said, you know, let's do a matinee and a night show. And I said, oh, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm Mr. Don't Take a Chance guy. Um <laughs> 
And he said, no, I think, you know, we've got the theater. We paid for it for the day. Let's have a matinee. Okay. So we had two shows last year sold out. So the theater and Brian talk and Brian calls me and says, so what do we feel about four shows? What about two shows on Saturday, two shows on Sunday, a matinee and a night? And I go, oh, really? Uh, uh. And again, okay. Uh and I, as we record this, the shows are this weekend and they're within like 20 seats of being sold out, wow. all four shows. Uh, and what I love about this is it's the Infinity Band, Cliff and the, and the gang, the Infinity Band with Coat. And it's so much fun to do these songs because it's, for Cody, it's, it's, it's an amazing opportunity to sing a bunch of material that you don't get to, you don't get to really sing a lot of Elvis Christmas songs during the year until you get down to December. And uh, he's been doing some shows around, doing some of these songs. So he's coming into Franklin, and uh, I'm, I'm so excited about it because I not only get to introduce him, but I get to watch the audience. And these are audiences in Franklin during Christmas that are basically from Franklin, from the surrounding area. They are not our regulars. Uh, they are people that have given Christmas presents to grandmothers or grandfathers or maybe kids that have discovered Elvis in this last year. And those are the ones that are selling out the Christmas show in Franklin. And those are the ones that are selling out Cody's festivals across the country. And that's the other thing I wanted to talk about. The, the amount of festivals that, that Cody produced this year that you produced, I part of the Nashville Elvis festival, um, Alex with uh, Myrtle beach, all of us working together and finding these audiences and these audiences finding us. Um, I have an, a, a bizarre ability, Jeff, to, to look at the list of festivals this year that at least I was at. I can remember the venue. I can remember where we are. Usually Jeff and I are backstage together in a dressing room, kind of, you know, doing whatever, you know, watching TV or waiting to go on stage. <laughs> but I, I just look at all these festivals and I can remember the, the venue. I can remember the stage and how it was set up backstage. And, and that's the way some of the shows blend in together, you know, but I always remember the venue and like special things that happened. Um, do you have any stories of, of moments either off stage or on stage from any of the festivals in this, in this last year? Well, uh, that I can tell. Uh, <laughs> well, Alex I, has a Alex has a beeper. He can uh, he can beep anything yeah. he needs to. I, uh, I I I can tell you that I I had an issue staying upright. Uh, I know I've fallen downstairs twice. You're going to have to narrow it down, <laughs> Jeff. You're going to have to narrow <laughs> right. that one down. And uh, so yeah, I've, uh, a lot of stuff happens backstage where where we have so we have a lot of fun and and not of it all uh, uh, safe for print. But I, I think the the especially in St. Simons, I know that every time we had such great communication between Alex and myself and Cully and kind of the backstage crew, if anything went wrong, man, we just we got it resolved. Boom, boom. We we we've got it down to this fine old machine back there. And it just it it takes a village, you know, the front of house people, the 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 production crew. And then when you see the performances, that's just kind of the frosting on top. So it, it's it's really, we don't let up, and we want every festival to be better than the one before. And one exciting thing that, that um, talking about your Christmas shows in, in Nashville, uh, we have New Year's Eve. 
at oh, Charlie yeah. Watson's. That's, yes. They're in Tupelo, and, and we are very excited. We'll be there. Uh, you can can go to Jeff Lewis and Friends, and you can .com, and you can email us, and we can tell you how you can get tickets. Uh, but that's going to be an amazing event. It's an annual event. But this will be the first time it's going to be me, Cody Downath, Finley Watkins, and Braxton Sykes. And I got to tell you, Finley and Braxton <clears throat> used to be able to say, boy, for their age, now you just say, wow, they are great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it's no, no for their age. They, they have grown and worked and, 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 uh, matured into just very entertaining performers. So, so if you get a chance, definitely join us. There's only one Tupelo. There's only one Charlie Watson. There's only one Silver Moon Club. Uh, this is a great way to bring in the new year, and you don't want to miss it. And that with infinity as well. So yes. the evening, uh, the evening will be rocking. A, a couple of the things I remember, Jeff, from from the festivals, and I started wondering about this. And and once when I started thinking of these, and I wrote them down, and I started noticing a thread. See if you can notice this with me. In Louisiana, there was a lineup of dressing rooms, and there was one door to the stage. And I had the dressing room right next to that door. And they put me there because they didn't want me to have to walk too far. <laughs> and then that was in Louisiana. Then in Texas, I get there and they say, Tom, you can, we have a cone f- for where you park. And I go, oh, okay. And I go in and I've got the parking space right next to the <laughs> stairs to go in backstage. And I'm thinking, they're really worried about me moving. <laughs> when I was in Australia, Ben Thompson and Dean were there and, and we're going through the airport. And when we, we went to uh, one of the uh, excursions and there's stairs up and down this bus and, you know, and the whole time old Ben and Dean are by me going, you okay, coach need some help. Oh no, I, I can walk. I'm okay. Yeah. So Tom, I think they're trying to tell us something. Yeah. The, 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 the joke I've always heard is if you're wondering, that's it. That's Alex just showed me a photo of my parking space. There it is right there backstage in Texas where we found out Jeff that day on Saturday, there was a huge football game. Yes. I mean, a giant football game yes. that we were right in the middle of. Yeah. Texas of somebody. Baylor in, and um, Baylor, Texas Tech. Yeah. Listen to Alex, Mr. Football. Wow. wow. <laughs> I think he had to negotiate the traffic, so he probably had a time to. Um, one of the things that that I look back on um, was the uh, Arkansas Festival, uh, and there's just a moment. You know, I, a lot of times with the guys, I get to I get to go out and be Charlie Hodge, and I get to for a, for a time get to be part of the show and putting the scarves on, and it's just so much fun. Uh, David Lee and Bill seem to always want to wear capes, so I have to put on and take off capes, and that's just its own stress. And I can't stress enough how stressful capes are. Oh, they're I horrible. That, I think you went through that yourself recently. I've retired all ETAs. Be aware. Jeff Lewis will no longer put on a cape. I would rather go <laughs> to the dentist, get an MRI, and get my knee replaced as I had ever put on a cape. Yeah. Well, I've, I've come up with a system. Um, I always tell them if they want a cape put on, I'll do it during your band introductions. But I can't do it, as you're quickly saying, and the next song I'm going to do, because it won't get on that quickly. Um, but I, I'll do it, like, if I got, like, a five-minute band introduction, I can get that sucker on. But, man, I can't have that kind of pressure anymore. I, I can't believe they don't have rings with, like, magnets. I don't I don't. Rather understand. than these little bitty things. 
And they said, well, that's what Elvis had. And I said, you would think Cape Technology would make advancements since 1977. You'd really would. Elvis had a dial phone, too. Charlie Hodge would have invented something in the last 25 years himself. Yes. He were still putting on capes. And the other thing I retired from, you retired from capes. I'll still do capes, but only before the band introductions. But the other thing I have retired from, I don't catch guitars anymore. No, no, no. Yeah. Because when Elvis threw a guitar, if Charlie missed it, Elvis laughed. Yeah. And if we miss it, we owe them a guitar. <laughs> right. You know? And my uh, catcher days and my tight end days have been uh, over for some time. Uh, they ended in the late 80s. And one, and I caught one by the peg and found out that the s- substance dripping on, down my hand was blood since I caught the peg that the strings were oh, on. That's so right. that's, that's, that's when I retired from that. What I was going to mention, though, about Arkansas, my memory of Arkansas. And again, it's interesting how I can pick out where we were when these things happened. But being on stage with Ben doing his scarves as Charlie, uh, there was a, a lady that, that everybody comes down forward and Ben's bending over and he's, you know, throwing the scarves out and I put it on, he throws it out and I put it on, he throws it out. And there was a lady in a wheelchair that that came up to the edge of the stage and she was, you know, leaning and Ben, ben you know, I'm going to lean over a little further for you. Yes, here we go. And as he reached out his hand with that scarf on it that the lady wanted, a dog unseen by either one of us came out of nowhere <laughs> and almost, I mean, almost took Ben's hand yes. and at least almost caught the sleeve because the little sleeves are pointy. Yeah. Elvis sleeves are kind of pointy. And it was down there and Ben looked at me and I looked at him. It was like, oh my God, did that just happen? <laughs> and so that's a memory we have. And we were kind of thrown yes. for a while on that one. So that one's always kind of stayed with, with us. And anytime I'm doing scars for for Ben now, I will say, you know, look look out for dogs. Look out. There could be dogs. No animals allowed. And the other one was when he was giving out scarves. It may have been that same song. Imagine this happening almost back to back. Suddenly in line in Arkansas to get a scarf is Victor. Oh, yeah. Victor Trevino (laughs) Jr., who's not even a part of the festival. Now Victor is in line to get a scarf (laughs) in Arkansas. And my only thought is, I didn't know Vic lived in Arkansas. <laughs> I thought he lived in Texas. Yes. And he just he just came by to hang out and went down for a scarf and got a scarf and a kiss from Ben. So it was very nice. Well, I guess I could say I'm being a jerk, but it was nice at the Texas Elvis Festival. And I love our fans down there. They're so great. Love our Texas Elvis family. It was OU Texas weekend. And, oh, you did beat Texas. So I did have to wear my jersey when I walked out on the stage. I felt bad about it, but I just felt I owed it to them. To- well, we watched uh, – we had uh, we had your o- Oklahoma on TV uh, back there um, and in Texas, and we w- then we watched the Ole Miss game. That's right. Yeah. So we had, a, we had a double we had a double scoop. Of course, Ole Miss going to the Peach Bowl this year um, to play Penn State. Thank you very much. Uh, and, and Jeff, the other festival that I really had such a great time at, uh, for me personally, I was in St. Louis for 10 years, uh, doing radio and TV and the Illinois festival in Collinsville, right across the river. I had friends of mine that I hadn't seen in years come over to, to see the show. And, uh, and I figured out driving into St. Louis, I had not driven into or out of St. Louis, uh, in, I think it was 27 years. 
when I, we came in for the festival. And just to to be there in that area was just just fantastic. Uh, and to see that arch again after all those years, I absolutely loved my my 10 years in, in St. Louis, Missouri. Just such a great town. And I love the Cardinals and I love St. Louis. So it was great to be back in Collinsville and we'll be back there next year. And I'll tell you what was cool about that also. That really was the height and pinnacle of our, we were selling out all these festivals. Well, this was a 12, 1300 seat arena or performance space. And we sold out, I think it was four shows day and night. Um, 12, 1300 people at this event. And it was our first one in Collinsville at the, uh, Illinois Elvis festival. And, uh, we, there were so many people there that we actually got accused of Photoshopping the live video. I'm not sure how you do that. But I, I go, no, that, those are actual people. Well, Jeff, I can tell you how you do that. And you do that with something we don't have. And you know what that is? A budget. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's that's yeah. expensive to do that. You know, yes. it's, it involves computers, even a level above what Alex already knows. Uh, so that's that's fantastic to be a to be accused of that, as if it was so important that that's we do right. that. I know that we. So the it. crowds were just incredible all year long, and hopefully we'll have the same success next year, and we'll continue to bring these events to everyone and and continue the incredible legacy of Elvis and, and, uh, continued to perform in his memory. Uh, he gave us so much and it's just our way of maybe just trying to give a little bit back. And, and, and to, to, to also kind of end it there too, Jeff, you, you, the Jeff Lewis and friends festival is something that is special for the Elvis family. Uh, and, uh, every year I, I look forward to that. There's something about Helen at that time of year in the fall, just so special. And that truly is family. It is. It, it, it's kind of like going to our lake house, the family lake house each year. The The foliage and the woods are just gorgeous with all the colors. Uh, didn't, see, didn't see a bear this year. That's the first time. But the weather was great. And it's almost like it was the best way to just cap off our biggest year ever and our busiest year ever. And we got to spend time yeah. together. We had those after party, after parties, which are just organic and fun with Jody and Dean and everybody. And then we kind of get to take a little break for Thanksgiving and kind of kick off unofficially the next year with St. Simon's, the Nashville Christmas show. And we're, and then New Year's Eve at Charlie's we're back up and running then Myrtle beach. And here we go. Then Nashville and, and yeah. Nashville coming up uh, March 21st through the 24th. Dean Z will be there. Bill Cherry will be there. You guys will be there. Got so much NashvilleElvisFestival.com for details about that. And speaking of that, one of the guys uh, that's that's been a part of Nashville since the very beginning coming back uh, to Nashville is Dean Z. And Jeff, we just found out that Dean Z is going to be available to us in a very yes. limited time zone and a very limited time slot. He's going to be here for us to talk to. I cannot wait. Cannot wait. I can't wait either. And uh, I'll just say this. You know, I'm Tupelo Tom. And I'm Big Lou. But we're not done talking. Pack your bags. 
at Elvis Vacation. The Myrtle Beach Elvis Festival is happening February 1st through the 3rd at the Hilton Resort. It's an unforgettable celebration that'll have you all shook up. Starring Ben Thompson, Cody Dionath, Alex Mitchell, Dwight Eisenhower, and seven other world-class entertainers paying tribute to the king of rock and roll, backed by the Infinite E Tribute Band. Join Elvis enthusiasts from around the world for a weekend of spectacular production, rock and roll nostalgia, and unforgettable memories. Don't miss the chance to experience the King's legacy live. This event is officially licensed and endorsed by Graceland and the estate of Elvis Presley. Visit www.MyrtleBeachElvisFest.com or call 352-789-7269 for tickets. I'm Tupelo Tom, and we are back to Tupelo Tom and Big Lou talking. And right now, Big Lou, we have somebody to talk to that's a friend of both of ours, I'm very proud to say. A great friend. I've said this. He's one of, if not the best entertainers I've ever seen. Uh, He is such a credit to our business, the Elvis Tribute Artist world, and to the Elvis world in general. And uh, I'm proud to say without me, he would have been nothing. (laughs) <laughs> so it's all because of me, of course. No, in all seriousness, though, at our first Jeff Lewis and Friends Helen Festival, uh, I was a huge fan of this guy anyway, and we brought him in. And I remember he asked me, he said, well, you, you want me to do a 50 show? Or I said, man, just do whatever you want to. And he looked at me, he goes, like a, just a Dean Z show? And I said, yeah. And I didn't know what to think. You know how Elvis fans are. If, if they, you know, they want to hear their Elvis. <laughs> And he got up there and he did a bunch of Elvis, all eras, as himself, just paying tribute to the Elvis Presley and others. He proceeded to do, uh, he did the moonwalk. And when, I, when he was doing Wooly Bully, and I looked up and blurred lines, and I looked up and I see everyone in the entire room standing up dancing, I thought, it worked and he's gone on to uh have a show in branson we'll get more into all that but ladies and gentlemen please welcome the incredibly talented incredible guy mr dean z ultimate elvis tribute champion thank you so much that was the nicest introduction that's what you wrote down so we're gonna cut that out dean it it was exactly what i wrote down (laughs) yeah we're gonna have to cut all of that uh, seriously, thank you guys. I'm looking at two of my heroes here. Oh, actually three, because I got Alex Mitchell on the screen as well. And, uh, I'm just really grateful to be here. So thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Well, we, we've been excited to, to, you know, to, uh, to launch this podcast this year. We've had a couple of guests uh, during the year, but not a lot. And, uh, you, you were always on that list of people we want to oh. have in that first year. So we, we made it just under the wire. So I'm very glad that all oh. of our schedules kind of coordinated. This is a big time of year for Dean Z, right? Oh man. Well, I mean, thank goodness we're all so busy. I mean, cause a couple of years ago we weren't, we weren't as lucky. So I'm really happy that uh, things are going as good as they are. Uh, just, just finished up a big show at Graceland for the, uh, holiday weekend. We did Dean Z's rocking Christmas show there for the third year in a row. Biggest crowd we've had and the most fun we've had. Uh, and I think it's going to become, and I think it has become kind of an annual tradition 
to be there yeah. at Graceland and singing these rocking songs. And uh, Branson's uh, Elvis show is going really great. We have a Christmas version of the show right now called The Ultimate Elvis Christmas. And uh, we're peppering in some really great Elvis Christmas music throughout the show, plus a big Christmas finale at the end that I wrote. And, uh, and then uh, also doing some touring. So I'm heading to Wisconsin and Los Angeles this weekend. And, uh, and then home for a few days for Christmas. Then we started all back up again and uh, rock and roll in January for my first bus tour. I've, I've finally, I've always wanted to be on a bus gang and like, and uh, <laughs> we used to do a bus tour. So I've, I've, we've rented a big old Prevo bus and I'm taking the whole Branson uh, gang on the road for the, for five weeks. And, um, and we're going to be all across the United States. So it's really a fun, exciting time. I can't believe I'm rocking this much at this age. I'm getting up there now, boys. <laughs> this is a young man's game. I'm in the wrong. I'm in the wrong part of my life for all this touring. But seriously, I'm I'm having the best time of my life, and it seems like uh, things are just getting better and better all the time. And Tom and I have been backstage after you've performed a set when you literally walk back, and I'm not exaggerating, and collapse. Because you leave everything on the stage. And Tom, you you know, you and I have talked about this regarding Dean. One of the things I love about the guy, I'll say, Hey Dean, would you have so yeah? Would you mind? Of course. Any chance you would? Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. know, and you've been there for me, Dean, so much, and you've done so much for me and my career in this business. And I'm always gonna be grateful for that. And uh I'll tell you a funny story. During COVID, when we, um, I should have trademarked this or copyrighted it so I'd, people had to pay me, but I kind of came up with the whole virtual tip jar idea. And it was a joke. We were just kidding around. I was telling Cody Dalneth, hey, why don't we get on there? We'll sing some songs. And if people want to tip us, they can. And we'll just have some fun with it. Literally thinking maybe I'll get enough to you know buy a pizza or something. And so we did one. It was hugely successful. Me, Cody, like Riley, I know Colifer was on there. And I get a call from Dean. Hey, he calls me coach. I call him franchise. And he says, Hey, coach, how you doing? Great franchise. He goes, Man, you're not mad at me about anything, are you? I said, I kind of laughed. I said, But Dean, I'm not really sure how a human being could get mad at you, but why in the world would you think that? He goes, Oh, man, I would have loved to have been part of that event. And I remember at the time thinking, I'm not going to bother this guy. We we're just joking around. And he goes, no, I love doing stuff like that. And I'll never forget that. And, of course, uh, Dean just doesn't kind of do something. He gets on there, and he's got this great show and great setup. And then we all kind of did our finale in Branson together uh, at a condo, which I'll talk more about uh, after the interview, owned by Ronnie Craig. But, uh, yeah, so, folks, I've seen – I haven't seen the Christmas show – but I have been to Branson. If you have not been there, it's a multimedia experience. The show is incredibly well-written. The band is great. Stephanie, Dean's wife, and, and the other background singers are fantastic. You have to go. It's worth the trip to Branson. Now, Dean, a lot of people don't know this, but an Elvis tribute artist was not going to be your first choice of a profession. I believe it would have been in the ring. Am I correct? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, before Elvis, before I saw the movie, This is Elvis, that's the documentary. And I know, Tom, you're right near where that locations were, were uh, for that for that film were. Um, yeah. So that was the movie that changed my life. That was the one. 
And, uh, and so this is Elvis came out and uh, I saw it and, and on TV and that's what changed my life with Elvis. But WrestleMania two was one year before that for me. And, uh, seeing that second WrestleMania and my, my dad being a huge wrestling fan got me into wrestling and, and I'm still an avid wrestling fan, still a big, uh, fan of the business. Uh, the, the entire show of it is so cool. This, the behind the scenes of it. Um, uh, it's live action theater and I love it so much. Uh, really fun. Pr- uh, it's a passion for me for sure. Just, just like, uh, just like Elvis has always been a passion for me. But, uh, if I hadn't have been, if I would have been blessed with better genetics when it came to being ripped and being tall and doing all the things, <laughs> I would have definitely tried my hand at being the next Von Eriks uh, and and uh, and been the next Texas Tornado or something or or Ultimate Warrior. Those were, you know, Warrior was my guy, Bret Hart was my guy, uh, uh, Shawn Michaels, and then of course all the Attitude Era stuff. But I mean, seeing Hogan in the ring, you know, that was. Uh, that was a that was life goals for me at the time, man, and and I still love the pat. I love the business. And and Dane, I feel like if that had happened to you, uh, my life might have been different in a way, and and mine also would have arrived through the wrestling world because my first idol broadcasting. I wanted to be Johnny Carson, but I also wanted to be Lance Russell, who was yes. the wrestling announcer in Memphis on WHBQ and WMC Championship Wrestling with Dave Brown. Lance was just a local broadcaster in Memphis, and I watched that guy and studied him the way you guys study wrestling moves and Elvis's moves. Uh, so I feel yeah. like uh, I feel like Dean, we would have still worked together either way. No matter what, the universe was going to bring me to my sensei, which is Tom Brown, <laughs> and to my coach Jeff Lewis. Uh, and if, if it wouldn't have been through wrestling, maybe we would have had one of those uh, concession brawls at uh, Charlie's Charlie's place there in oh, Tupelo. You never famous. know the ice house. Well, you know, I saw. I was very fortunate to have seen, met, and got an autograph of Andre the Giant when I was a kid. Wow. I saw. I remember Fritz von Erich very well, and I got to see David von Erich's first match. As a wrestler, he went up against Big John Studd. And wow. um, my idol, of course, besides Andre, was Dusty Rhodes. And that's what I wanted to be. And uh, luckily, it didn't work out for any of us. And now we're all here together going to Graceland <laughs> rather than the hospital after after work. So that's pretty yeah, nice. Yeah, man. No, we, we definitely take a few less bumps in this business for sure. That's that's for sure. But, you know, there's still, there's still a part of that that something about that must have appealed to us all of that um, onstage, backstage life of presenting a show, of creating something for an audience that takes them out, takes them away for a while, and lets them scream and yell and just be youthful again. Because it it happens. I always say it's amazing to be on the stage during an Elvis tribute concert and look out and see all these 16-year-old girls who might be in their 70s before the show starts and will probably be in their 70s when the show's over. But for that period of time, everybody in that house is about 16 or 17 years old. Yes. And as as the artist standing there on stage, you witness the years disappear. It is such a cool feeling looking out and seeing somebody that might have struggled to get to their seat, and they jump up out of their seat, and they're, they're at the end of the show, they've got an extra pep in their step, and something happens uh during during El- with Elvis's music that just it's it's an energy revitalizer and as the person performing it you get to watch it happen and it's just a really beautiful feeling 
Um, and it's really the, it's really the job. The job is an, is a service industry. And, and my job is to make people happy through this music and, um, yourself kind of disappears from that. And I've known, I have figured that out as I've gotten a little bit older and a little wiser, uh, in, in music, you find out that the entire thing is not about what we're doing. It's about the service we're providing. And, um, and that's giving a little bit of joy in a, in a crazy time and a crazy world and in whatever situation that person's facing. So it's, a it's a, the best gig you can ever have. It's a, it's a, it's an honor. And how lucky are we that we're not Bay city roller tribute artists or, <laughs> you know, something like that. We got this guy, Elvis, who gave us a world of music from 1954 until his passing in 77, and still with remixes and things like that, and of course the movie, some different things there, that you could do an Elvis show every single day of the year and it'd be different. And it's funny you mentioned This Is Elvis, because that was, I think that was the movie that got a lot of us that are, you know, my age and and a little bit younger. Um, I remember b- between football practices during two days, we'd practice in the morning. We'd go to my friend Eddie Grant's house. We'd watch This Is Elvis. And then it was over. We'd get back on our bikes or in our car and go back to practice. That's about how long it was. But hearing that story for the first time, uh, seeing the range of music and the range of his career, which we've talked a lot about uh, in this podcast, like, Dean, we look at your career. In the time that I've known you, you started out and you were doing 50s and, and you know, you did the leather. Now you're kind of doing this Vegas, that's the way it is thing, and you're killing it. Thank you. Uh, in uh, St. Simon's, you even took it a, a year or two after that, and it was so great to see you uh, in, perform in, in, in the jumpsuit that would have been 72, 73, around that era. Yeah. And then you can turn right around and go back and do a 50s thing. You could do 10 different shows and all of them be completely different with your talent and with the material that Elvis gave us. And we are so lucky to have that. Absolutely. And, and I've given myself, you know, through, I've, I've been performing as Elvis on stage professionally nightly since I left high school at 18 or since I left my, I was into a film, film school for a semester. And then I, and then I got called to Vegas to, to work. Um, but, uh, so that's, that's 22 years of performing nightly. And before that, there's a, there's an extra 18, 17 years, whatever it is. I don't math good, but there's a lot of years there. And, and, uh, but the entire time I've given myself the chance to look forward to the next piece of this beautiful career that Elvis Presley had. And so I, I never wanted to rush it. I never wanted to try to cram everything in um, uh, right away and jump right into the Aloha and jump right into the sundial. And then, you know, these things, you know, uh, with Elvis, this was a man that was actually maturing real time. And these were decisions that were happening with his maturity. You can't fake that. You can't fake life experience and you can't fake maturity. Um, you know, you have to live to understand where his mind was with some of this stuff as an actor. Uh, you can't do that at 15, 16 years old and think that it's believable. Uh, the believability is harder to achieve at that time. So for me, I'm still not in the Aloha and I will not be in the Aloha for at least two or three more years because I know that that's my next step after this, after what I'm doing now. And I want to give myself enough time 
to season every piece of this um, where I feel like I know it viscerally. I know it to my core and it feels authentic and real. That's always the goal. I think that's the Jeff. I think that right there is the biggest part that separates Dean from a lot of other performers, ETAs and uh, singers, because what you just said, Dean showed that you understood those eras. You understood the physicality of it and not wishing to rush. I see a lot of young people uh, competing, wanting to compete, and seeing that jumpsuits do do very well. And they they rush to compete in a jumpsuit. And I just, I always say, can you imagine Ed Sullivan Elvis wearing a jumpsuit? He would have looked ridiculous because physically, vocally, he wasn't there. That was a man wearing that jumpsuit. And yes. if somebody's 21, 22, and you haven't even had the experience of doing 50s, um, you're not thinking in in the broad sense. And uh, that's the part I think is what really separates you and, and how you thought about that. Uh, that's what I think is so admirable. Thank you for that, Tom. I, that means a lot to me, especially coming from you, because you know this business and you know Elvis um, better than anybody. Uh, and when I won the ultimate, I won it in black denim and stripes. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, I was uh, 30 years old. Um, but I've been lucky. I've been lucky. I'm 40 now. And I've been lucky to, to, when I was a kid, I was cursed by this like young appearance. I was like, when am I going to grow up? Like, when am I going to look older? <laughs> and, and now I'm like, thank God I don't look as old as I actually am. Uh, but, uh, but at 30 years old and performing next to guys that are wearing $5,000 jumpsuits that I'm thinking to myself, how does this compare to that? But it, in reality, if you are doing the justice, if you're doing justice to Elvis Presley at the most, like, m m the, the smallest detail, it doesn't matter if you're in black denim or if you're in the King of Spades. As long as you're doing it right, uh, it shouldn't matter if you're singing How Great Thou Art or Old MacDonald. As long as you're doing it like Elvis Presley as perfectly as you can, I think there is something to that. And and um, I was lucky to, 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 to win that ultimate doing at the time, my strength, which was Jailhouse Rock, 1957, Elvis. And uh, that's that was where I was physically and, and mentally. And if I had done something else, I would not have won. And I'm pretty much positive of that personally. Yeah. And one thing I love about our community and the guys, certainly that I work with a lot and hire a lot, is the fact that we have different kinds of artists we of course we're all big fans of bill cherry yeah oh i love and bill. bill gives one of the closest to accurate uh depictions of elvis any of us have ever seen i've been fortunate enough to sing with him and when he looks back and gives you that little lip curl color it's frightening i, oh, I, I yeah. sit there and i just kind of think I, i'm on stage with elvis right now he doesn't say he's elvis he doesn't try to be elvis it's a natural thing with him but he gives us that really accurate depiction and then we have uh, something that you do. You have the accuracy, but you're probably the best, and there's a lot of great ones out there that do this. Cody Delnath is doing it, and he's doing an incredible job, a lot of them, where you also bring your own personality to the show aspect of it. So you give us the Elvis performance, 
but then you also bring part of your showmanship. And I, I think talking, you know, we've all talked to, to Linda Thompson about this. And she said to me that Elvis would have loved that. He, first of all, he'd have been flattered that, that he still remembered and, and guys, uh, still respect him and love performing his music, but he also would have loved the individuality. And I think you're the best at that where you give us Elvis, but then you also bring some of that Dean Z entertainment, especially I think one thing that gets overlooked about you that I think is incredible as a producer myself and a writer, you write and produce great shows. Oh, thank you. The Dean Z show is your creation and it's utilizing Elvis's, uh, material, et cetera, but, but what is your thought process? Okay. You, you're going to finish this Christmas show. You're taking a show on the road. What is your thought process when you put that show together? I love, thank you for saying that coach. It means a lot to me because I want, I want to produce when I'm finished being an artist on stage. I want to produce and, and keep the business strong with the next artist in that spot. Um, and so that's where I, see myself going and staying with the Elvis world. Um, but every, every year I try to, I rewrite Dean Z, the ultimate Elvis. I, because there's 22 years of material to work with, with Elvis Presley's music. And there's so much good stuff. Um, if you're just talking about number one hits, you can write two different shows from that. But then if you get into top tens of Elvis's career, you've got enough material there to make seven, 10, 12, 20 shows, um, because there's so many great, so many great, uh, songs and, uh, great moments of his career. So what I like to do is I've got a, I've got a template energy formula of how things can flow ebbs and flows of a, of an emotional show. You want to send people on a really great ride. That's always the goal, high energy, high emotion, um, uh, and different moments there where you can give them the feels, all the feels you want to push the button, you know, and that's what, that's what I try to do in all the shows. Uh, so every year I kind of re come back to it and say, what can I do to bring this also from authentic mindset, but also into a modern, uh, atmosphere because people are now so much more exposed to media, so much more exposed to a shorter attention for things and you have to keep it modern when it comes to keeping it entertaining. So that's really how I look at it. And, uh, and I also say like, what, what can I do to, to push myself? Uh, what song choices can I do to make that I'm almost uncomfortable to do, but makes me work harder and makes me learn that particular thing. Perfect example this year. Um, I did one of your songs. I did a song that I consider a Jeff Lewis song, Never Been to Spain, uh, because that song is hard for me to sing vocally, hard to maintain it. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really a tenor singer. I'm very much a baritone and just kind of a, you know, a, a melody singer. Uh, but I wanted to prep, push my, uh, my, my voice to get there, and you just subject yourself to it. And... Uh, and I'm sure it wasn't the greatest those first couple of weeks. And then I started settling into it. And uh, real, then I'm starting to copy exact motions from on tour when he's playing behind me. And I'm trying to do this thing where I'm doing what he's doing exactly at the right times. And, and it's a cool moment for the audience in, in, in attendance to see, wow, they're sync, it's syncing up. You know, everything's syncing up. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's a personal thing to kind of push myself as well and give myself something new to, to look forward to. And, and, uh, but always 
the number one thing is to honor him and find ways to uh, keep him the star of the show. Tell me a bit about how you put together a, a lineup of songs for shows that are maybe Branson-based for a general public that are fans of Elvis versus a festival show, which you know when you go there, you're going to know a lot of the audience. They're going to know you. Um, they are Elvis fans, and they are there for an Elvis festival um, experience. Do you do you do you approach them differently? So different, and that's a an incredible question, uh, Sensei, because um, because they are so unique. Um, we have to, with a Branson's type show, have to create a set list that will appeal to even the most minimal Elvis fan. And also educate them so that they leave more of an Elvis fan than they, when they walked in. And that's, that's the goal is to, I didn't know that Elvis sang that song or I hadn't heard him sing that song in 20 years. I better go on YouTube or get on Amazon or something and download that right away. Um, uh, so yes, you have to kind of, and, and that's kind of the job as the middleman, the, the broker between the fans and Elvis is you have to keep them uh, you have to bring people to him and that's, that's kind of, that's our job. So, um, so I always approach it with, well, we got to do the certain number one hits. Suspicious minds has to be there. Um, you know, a blue suede shoes has to be there. Things like that have to be in the set list. And thank goodness Elvis was also very smart in making set lists. He knew that those things had to be there too. So we're able to kind of base things off of some of the set lists he made and, try to hit all the high notes, you know, we're talking about 20, 20 plus year career in two hours. So we do have to compress a lot of information into that amount of time without losing integrity and quality of those songs. So, uh, so yeah, I, every year I kind of blank slate it and say, what gospel song do I want to feature? What power ballad do I want to feature? If is it my way or this year I'm uh, doing a really cool duet with Elvis where Elvis sings part of If I Can Dream with us in a live setting. And every time, boys, every time his voice comes up over the PA, I get a chill down my back, my arms, because I'm hearing his voice with my band, this live sound. And uh, I get like, I'm actually getting a little emotional thinking about it. It, it, uh, it blows me away every day. And I get to stare at this man saying, if I can dream for a verse. And uh, that was something that I had not seen done in a Elvis tribute show um, before, uh, where it was just a featured, I want to sing this song with my hero is the moment. And uh, so if I can, and I'm always trying to look for the next one of those things. Now that I've done that, it was sort of a test to see how it goes. And every night it gets a standing ovation and I see tears in people's eyes because they, they love him the way we love him and they want to hear him. That's why they're there. And so we give them that 30 seconds of Elvis with, with live sound and uh, it blows the roof off the place and it touches my heart every single time I do it. And we've done it hundreds of shows this year. Um, it's like the first time every night for me. So uh, what's next for that? I, I think I've got some really great ideas for 2024, um, some really emotional moments that even I can't make happen on stage, but Elvis can. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give your, your, imagination, uh, <laughs> your imagination run wild with that. So I've got some cool stuff planned for 24. 
So what you're doing is you're building in uh, building in a reason for me to have to buy another ticket for next year's shows <laughs> because they change. I don't may, maybe and yeah, uh, it's, it's yes, just, it's, it's always going to be different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, this episode of this podcast, like I said, we've been wanting to have you on for a while, but we're doing it kind of. Uh, Starting out, we started out talking about moments from the year that we remember from the Elvis world, from our world of festivals and experiences we had with Elvis and Elvis fans and music. For you, you're kind of at the forefront. You're out there, like you said, you're on the road, you're doing shows around the world. Uh, looking back on this year, uh, I know this year started out with losing Lisa Marie and the movie being nominated for Oscars, just such highs and lows in the first few months of of 2023. Uh, for you, as a performer and as an Elvis fan, what's been some of the the big changes that you've seen uh, hit the Elvis world in 2023? Oh well, uh, losing Lisa was like losing Elvis uh, for for my generation that missed it. Um, you know, she was our connection, uh, and I was very emotional about it. I was performing in Wisconsin at the time in Fort Atkinson, and I heard she was sick and. Uh, I thought, oh, she's going to be okay. And then the news broke that she had passed. And uh, I remember feeling grief. If that, uh, like the loss of a family member, it's the same. Uh, I just felt grief. And uh, and I was laying in bed that night and I thought, this is what Elvis fans that I know have experienced with him, with Elvis. And I didn't, even though I felt sad that he wasn't here I didn't understand the grief part of it until Lisa passed. And I understand what every Elvis fan that was alive during that time feel, felt, even if it's slightly different. Yeah. I can understand what, what, cause she's part of all of our family, you know? So that was a, that was the low of the low I feel, uh, for the year, uh, when it came to, uh, Elvis, uh, for me, the highs, um, it's hard to count them. There's so there was just so many great moments uh, throughout the year. Seeing how great the movie did, um, both critically and with the audience, to me was such a was such a uh, prideful thing. Coming from being on the ground floor of that film, um, with when Baz Luhrmann was in conceptual mode with uh, Elliot Wheeler, his musical director, and I was able to do some voiceover work to help it get greenlit getting getting all the way from those initial emails all the way to seeing Austin accepting awards for his perfect job as Elvis Presley couldn't ask for more uh from that film in bringing people to him bringing people to Elvis and uh bolstering what we do as professional Elvis tribute artists um you know it was uh it was so special uh so I'm so proud of that um on a personal level you know it's been the busiest year of my professional career. Um, and, um, I feel like things are just, it's just mo the momentum is going good, uh, getting better all the time. I've, I've never felt healthier in my professional career. Um, feeling, uh, like I learned some lessons last year of burning the candle a little bit too much and, uh, and fix that this year. Um, uh, and, um, will continue to do that with my own health choices and things like that, you know? So, uh, so I feel like I'm seeing things through a brighter lens, uh, through a, a more open lens. And um, I think we've got a really bright future for the Elvis world, the Elvis community, the Elvis family. Um, you know, what Riley just did with the Christmas special 
another highlight for me uh, was seeing a primetime network Christmas special on NBC. You know, again, <laughs> Elvis brings Christmas to NBC in the way that he can. I was uh, in tears watching that, thinking not only is Elvis alive, Elvis is thriving. And I, and I wrote that on social media. I said, no, he's n- it's not just alive. It's thriving. This is, this is unheard of. And, uh, and no other artists, think of, think of all the great artists we've had. No one could have done what he's doing. Um, and so very, very prideful. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm just, I've, I've been beaming this whole year and I think 24 is going to be more of the same. How great was it seeing her sitting in the kitchen talking? <laughs> Wearing think, the Maltese How many cross. times did, yes, with, with Elvis would come down that back stairway and, that's where they visited. And, you know, you were part of something. It's interesting you use the word thriving. Uh, every time we've done something out of the box a little bit and it works, well, obviously one of my favorite things that you were part of that I wrote when we did the uh, Viva Elvis show where yeah. we took all those songs from the Cirque du- whatever it is. Cirque du Soleil, am I saying Cirque that Cirque du Soleil, yeah. yes, sir. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly. Look at Jeff and, talking uh, French. That's <laughs> right. one of them circus things. TIC learned those songs. And yeah. I had Cody, Dale Nath, Ben Thompson, and you. And I want, my vision was, these are very modern sounding versions of these songs. How about we put on a modern show that if you were to go to Vegas today and these songs were new and the acts performing them were in the top five acts in the world right now performing as yourself with that Elvis influence. And that show to this day is my favorite all time show. And I remember at the end of it, it was very clear that Elvis come out this year. If he came out that year, he would be just as big or if not bigger as he was during his career. And we continue to see that. When the movie came out, Tom and, and Alex and we and you, we've all seen this at the festivals. They've doubled in attendance and half the room are people we've never seen, have never been to an event. And so I love that word you used, thriving. That's exactly what's happening. And I think that's why we've got a great future ahead of us to continue to grow and and be influenced by Elvis and just bringing new people in every day to go, yeah, this is why we're fanatics. The music speaks for itself once you get their ears on it. Um, it it's, it's timeless. It's evergreen. It's any of those words you want to use. It's, uh, and people viscerally love it. Uh, there's something about his voice that we just gravitate to. As human beings, if you think about it, I mean, like, the guys hear that voice, it sounds cool. The girls hear that voice, it sounds sexy. It's, it's just like, it's, you can't really say that about like, think about announcers back in the 1930s, you know, that, that didn't sound that cool, <laughs> but, and it doesn't hold up the same, you know, or, or right. some of the, but you hear Elvis's voice, you can hear, it sounds just as cool right now as it did back then. And you wouldn't know if it was, like you said, if it was brand new, it would still be as cool. It would still be as, if I can say it, badass as it is. Yeah, he is just as cool as it gets, and so it's the James Dean of you know, and it's just timeless, uh, evergreen content. That's what Elvis brought us. 
so I'm really going to have to rethink. I had, I had been working on a Rudy Valley tribute. Uh, yeah. Um, I was going to be singing with a big megaphone. And uh, yeah. Have, uh, yeah. So I'm going to you know, hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my <laughs> rock rag- time And wah, I'm going to have to rethink that now. I'm going to, but I'm going to add horns and uh, vibraphone to it. So it's going to modernize it. I'm going to bring it into the 50s. You know, I'm going to. Yeah, you, you can make it cool. You can yeah. make it. I love yeah. what Tom, you talk about his voice. The other thing about Elvis is the fashion and you see hip hop artists, rap artists, uh, rock artists now dressing as something you could see Elvis wearing. Like I love when Tom talks about his favorite era being the Superfly era of Elvis in that seventies. And it's just as hip and cool today. I mean, everybody's still imitating Elvis in some way. 1000%. You see it in, in pop culture every single day. Turn on your TV, something will, you within one hour, you will see something that will be reminiscent or reference to Elvis. Mm-hmm. I, I was watching a, a series on Netflix, um, which was, it's called Obliterated. And it's not for everybody. It's got some uh, crude humor and, you know, references and jokes, and that's fine. I'm a big man and I can, you know, I can take it. Uh, I don't have to post about it on social media. If I don't like it, I just don't watch it anymore. Right. Not like a lot of people that do that, but <laughs> I'm watching this. It's basically uh, if The Hangover met um, uh, 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 Die Hard. Imagine if the heroes of a movie uh, that had disarmed a nuclear bomb partied because it's in Vegas. They, they, they save Vegas from destruction with a nuclear bomb and they party that night and they get a call about midnight. By the way, the bomb you defused was a fake. The real one is still there. We need you back. And they're three hours into partying. So they're drunk and high and all the other oh things. Oh, my gosh. And they're trying to get through the night of of coming down off of all these things they've been taking because they were partying after six months of trying to save the world. Imagine the stress. You might imbibe, right. you know. You might have that extra <laughs> cocktail. And so I'm watching this, and it's, you know, it's, it's funny in a way, and it's it's just – it's. But all of a sudden, there takes place a scene at a diner in episode six or seven, I think. And the diner's called Tupelo. And they walk okay. in and there's like four or five guys, you know, in the bad Elvis impersonator outfits. Not tribute artists, but in person. But again, oh, yeah. you can't do a eight-hour episode show about Vegas. And you had to have a reference to Elvis in there. And oh, it yeah. just came out of nowhere. It blew me away. And it's just what you were saying. You're going to see it every day. Oh, yeah. We may even be used to it. We see it so often. We're like, oh, that's Elvis. But imagine that for for people who are not super fans like we are, or just this person permeates society now. He is part of the fabric. And uh, much like that Aloha jumpsuit, he still is America to the world. He is what can happen here, the potential that a person has. You couldn't say it better than that, man. I've I, one thing that I've always said the 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 term that I've always used is Elvis is woven into the fabric of pop culture in America, and it's it's one thing they are not separate, and so uh, yeah, it's it's literally omnipresent. It's everywhere. Elvis is everywhere, and it's what what you guys do, what Riley did with that special. What so many, what the film did, uh, the Elvis film from Baz, what the Priscilla movie did uh, yeah. from uh, Sofia Coppola, which the actress uh, was nominated for 
Best Actor, uh, Golden Globe, playing Priscilla. Wonderful. In the Kaylee uh, Spidey, uh, she's nominated for. So it, these films are getting n- noted within the Hollywood community. As successful yeah. as they are, that may foster something else in the future. You have to have success to breed success, but it continues to get the word of who Elvis is out. And in the words of Jerry Schilling that I use all the time, crediting Jerry, you get the young people in front of Elvis and he'll take care of everything else. They just yes. need to see him and hear him. They may not have. And if, the, if you get them there as an ambassador of Elvis, if you get them there, he will take care of the rest. He's been doing it since one night in 1954 on WHBQ yeah. radio. That's all. It Isn't happens. it amazing? Wow. That's a really great quote from Jerry. Actually, I didn't know about the Priscilla, um, uh, the, the award, because, um, if you look at the credits on there, you'll see, I haven't seen the film yet, but I, I I've heard it was really cool. Um, I did a voice piece for that movie. Uh, so when Elvis is singing a whole lot of shaking going on at the piano, that's yours truly playing, uh, singing, oh, singing cool. a whole lot of shaking. So wow. guys go and check that movie out and, uh, let me know what you thought. I need to go back and check out the Golden Globe nominations. I might see Dean Z's name on that. Let me just go oh, check that out later. Yeah, One day, one day, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dean, um, one thing that, that you've really done for me, and I just want to say it out loud in front of all the listeners, um, I had this you know crazy idea to do after parties. And I've told the story on the podcast. Don't need to tell it again. But I got to tell you, when you entered the Jeff Lewis and friends after party world, it went from fun and cool and neat to can't be missed. And I just want to thank you for that. Your energy, your enthusiasm, your spirit, and your commitment that you've given to me with these things, whether it be at Elvis week at my festival, um, Nashville, all the festivals we do with ETA festivals and Cody, uh, it means so much to me. You're like that rock I can depend on. Hey, is Dean here? Okay. Whew, it's going to be great then. And I just want to oh, thank, thank you for, for that. And, and I've never seen a guy, maybe Jody McDowell is the only other guy like this. If there's a guitar around, you're going to grab it and pick and sing all night long. It's crazy. But I, I love when you do that. Thank you, coach. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And, you know, after I won the ultimate, all I wanted to do was I beelined for the after party. Cause I thought <laughs> now I can actually stand up there with these guys. I was, I felt like I, I would be worthy of it at that point because, uh, I hadn't earned it yet. And, and I saw that that was always happening. And so I was like, all right, I gotta get to the after party. And then you and I became friends that year. And, um, you know, it's something that I look forward to every chance we get, a, you know, uh, at a festival that we have a t- uh, time to play or at Graceland for Elvis week. Um, you know, I, I want to, I love that. I thrive in that just kind of the creative chaos of it, you know, and, and I, I like that it is off the cuff and feels like we can just create stuff on the fly like that. And, and thanks for giving me the opportunity to be part of those. And we had some fun ones just now in Australia, didn't we, man? We were oh, that was rocking and rolling insane. on the boat. That's right. About 3000 people. Yeah. And I'm always looking forward to those. So thanks for always having me. And I just like getting up there sometimes and just jumping on a bass or jumping on the drums yeah. and, and uh, being the, being the, the band um, and yeah. backing up the boys, you know, it, it, I like that I can just, it doesn't have to be about what, what I'm doing, even though I, sometimes I get a, you know, get, I get a little wild and, 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 uh, and get to tear up a little bit. 
it's really fun just to be part of the rhythm section. You know, it's almost like the yeah. wrecking crew. <laughs> it feels like that. Yeah, it's great. What I know is, is when, if I'm on stage with you guys during the, the, the after parties, I look around and Dean's, you know, playing guitar and I'll look back forward for a while. I look back and where Dean's he go? Oh, now he's, now he's playing drums. Okay, fine. And then 20 <laughs> minutes later, I'll, oh, now he's playing bass. And not only is he playing bass, but he's dressed up like Dracula playing bass. And of course, <laughs> now he's Count Basie uh, playing bass oh, during the Halloween party. That was the best. I just have to say about Dean Z, I was a Dean Z fan. Before I ever met Dean Z, I saw you uh, win. I was at the Orpheum, sitting down on the floor the, the the night you won the ultimate, wearing the jailhouse black and white. And I had never met you, and I didn't meet you until months later uh, when uh, Bill Cherry introduced us backstage at the Fox Theater in Atlanta when you were there on tour yeah. uh, with Elvis Lives. And from immediate, we just immediately connected. And again, it's friendship through through friendship through Elvis, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's true, man. The original I mean, got, eHarmony. The original right. eHarmony. <laughs> and, and there's also a part That's of... Uh, there, there's also something, too, that, that, Jeff, you may not know. I discovered this uh, a few months ago, and Helen, uh, Dean and I were sitting at a table talking, and he was talking about how uh, Stephanie and people always are getting on to him about how many unread emails he has on his uh, iPhone. And uh, so, Dean, do you have your phone close? I do. Are we going to okay. compare numbers here? <laughs> yeah, we're going to compare numbers. I'm sitting currently. Right, where, where, where's your text messages at? Uh, my text Unread messages. Unread text messages. Are my, they're, they're at 13. Just text okay, messages. Okay, I have a 185 okay. currently. <laughs> okay. Email. Let's go down there. 21,406. <laughs> okay, right there. I don't know. Uh, right, 23,307. So I'm, I'm, I've gone ahead of you a little bit because you, no, you were ahead I'm, of me I'm by 20, about 100. You're twenty. Oh, you're twenty three thousand. Twenty three thousand, Dean. Yes. You've got two thousand more unread messages than I do on your on your email. And coach, five. Oh my lord! <laughs> I'm considerably older than you, Dean, and I've had a cell phone six, since the sixties. So uh, that's that's that would explain why I have so many unread. <laughs> Those extra uh, two thousand emails. Yep. Exactly, <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Back in the '60s, uh, you know, it was Charlie Hodge was always texting me, and I had to just finally block him. Dean, I can't thank you enough. <laughs> Jeff and I have been talking about having you. It's so great to have you here. And uh, from all of the staff of, well, basically, it's the three of us. It's Alex and me and Jeff. But it sounds cool if I say from all of the staff of uh, for, of Tupelo Tom and Big Lou talking. Thank you so much. Thank you for an incredible year, and we can't wait to see you down the road uh, in 2024. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate what you guys do for the Elvis world. Thank you for this platform. Thank you for all your hard work, your dedication, your love, your passion for Elvis. Both of you are are uh, soldiers in the in the Elvis army. So uh, I I just appreciate all you all do, and and Alex putting this thing together, making the technical side of this stuff work. I mean, you, you can't. Th this is just uh, awesome. So thanks for having me, and continue. Let's continue TCB and for the man. All right. Love you, franchise. Love you, buddy. Hello, friends. This is Big Lou. Hope you enjoyed our interview with Dean Z. Be sure and go to Branson and see his show. It's incredible. You can see the dates, times, ticket information at DeanZ.com. While you're in Branson, you need to go see my friend Ronnie Craig while you're there. He has three Elvis-themed condos. 
Basking Condo 1, King Condo 2, and Presley's Penthouse. They are decorated with Elvis memorabilia and retro furniture featuring over 1,300 square feet, sleeping up to six Elvis fans. Located at Holiday Hills on an 18-hole golf course. It's just cool. So call my friend Ronnie Craig at 608-385-3726 to book now and go see my friend Dean Z. Also, Ronnie does a great festival called the Elvis Explosion in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Competition featuring up to 25 top ETAs with $25,000 in cash and prizes September 6th through the 8th in 2024. Ronnie's a friend of the podcast, puts on a great event, so be sure and head up to the cross. Well, this is Big Lou, and I am done talking. I'm Tupelo Tom, and we are still talking. Jeff, Big Lou, how great is it that Dean Z knows who we are? I know, man. <laughs> I mean, it, it's and, and Tom, seriously, I joke about this. A lot, but I, I lived in Nashville for 25 years. Um, I've been on the road most of my life. I think the first time I was on stage, I was 10, but I've been touring on tour buses, vans, Chevy Blazers, <laughs> you name it. <laughs> yeah. I'm jaded. I'm bitter. I don't like anything. I'm definitely a Scrooge when it comes to anything. And yet, I am a massive fan of Dean and yeah. a bunch of the guys, but. He's he's one of the guys that when I see his show, I just generally can sit back and have a great time and enjoy it. And and as you said, the guy off stage is the same guy on stage. And uh, when Dean started hosting events uh, at Graceland, he called me and we talked. He was saying, you know, I, I've 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 been on stage singing songs, but I've never just been me hosting things and it's 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 tough it's it's hard to do yeah and especially coming from a performer standpoint because he always has had a guitar or a set of drums or a bass or whatever and singing and he's got the lyrics and it's you know it's tough to do and he talked to me a little bit about it and i i helped him you know the limited way that i could he's just he's like such a natural talent of just being himself not only as a performer but also hosting the events that he hosts during elvis week i'm so proud of him and we have a lot of great guys in this business. You know, uh, I, I could sit here and name them all. If you're a young ETA, uh, there's a lot of great ETAs out there that you can learn from about how to perform, be a professional. Of course, we you always, don't forget, watch Elvis, but you can learn a lot from the different tribute artists as well. But if you want to learn how to be a professional, uh, how to carry yourself on and off stage, uh, if you need a, a mentor to look at and model yourself after, uh, follow around Dean Z. He's definitely a credit to our business on and off the stage. He's just a great guy, great family. Stephanie's wonderful. Uh, I, I, his daughter is beautiful. His, he's just a, a fantastic guy. And I love seeing the success that he's having and will continue to have. And I love what he told us about how he has, how he looked at his career years ago and how he wanted it to be and the respect he wanted to pay to Elvis. And that's another thing I would say to young ETAs out there. Look at, just do that. Think about it like he thought about it. It may not be for you, but uh, there's a lot of things to be learned. It's not just about, uh, not just about the moves. It's about 
how to, Jeff, it's about how to book a plane ticket, how to get a good seat, how to know what flight works for you. Is it a connecting flight? It's better to take Mm -hmm. a direct flight than a cheaper connecting flight because one problem, it'd be better to not be caught in Omaha if you need to be in Chicago. If you pay the 50 bucks, you, you would land in Chicago. Little things that you never think about that's so much a part of being in the entertainment business. Yes. The entertainment, but there's a lot of other things too. They can learn a lot from from talking to him. I can't wait for Dean Z's travel site to open up with his tips and tricks of of how to use mileage and how to book things and uh, get credit card uh, bonuses and all kinds of stuff because he's very smart in all aspects. Well, performers don't get paid for what they do on the stage. That is a small kind of cherry on top moment that we get with an audience. It's all the work behind the scenes, all the years you put into your craft. But I still think sometimes, Tom, I just wonder, uh, you know, Marvel has this multiverse. If we can ever figure that out, I do think it would have been a great match to have Big Lou versus Dean Z with Tom Brown being the commentator and Alex being the referee in WrestleMania, say, 40 or whatever they're on. I don't oh, know what they're on. I think that oh, that, that could have been a pretty much a, a, an amazing pay-per-view event. You know, we could still make that happen, Jeff. There's CGI we could be using. It's the same CGI we use to make the audience look full. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we'll just there do that. Go. Hey, I want to wrap it up, but I want to give you my uh, great memory of this year. And uh, he doesn't know I'm going to say this. My great memory of this year is in Inverness, Florida, when Ben was going to be doing Aloha and I got this idea, I had made a note to myself uh, in the the summer of 22, Gabe Balthasar passed away. And Gabe was the gentleman who was the flute soloist in Aloha from Hawaii in American Trilogy. And what I call one of the most pressure-filled flute solos in the history of man on that, because it's so easy to get a bum note on a flute. It's like blowing in a Coke bottle, you know. This guy was amazing. And I had this idea and I said, Ben, let me run this by you. And we talked to Ben. He said, that's cool. And I went to Alex and we were in the dressing room. I remember where we were standing. And I said, I said, Alex, go on your phone and look at the, look at this video uh, from Aloha from Hawaii of Gabe playing the flute. Is there any way we could get that up during Ben's American trilogy at some point? So Alex is looking at it and he's punching stuff on his phone and it's the whole thing is playing. And I look, I go, well, yeah, that's that's it, Alex. That's, yeah, why are we watching? The, I'm thinking, why are we watching this entire solo? But okay, exactly. And I said, do you think you could work that? In? Well, what he was doing is he was downloading or uploading something. And all of a sudden he said, well, it's it's done, Tom. I go, what do you mean it's done? He goes, it's, it's done. It'll be in the show. And it was exactly, it was exactly on Gabe's solo when it came up and, and Jody was playing it on piano on on synthesizer, organ, whatever. And it was exactly in, and there was Gabe on stage with Ben. It was so cool. And Alex, that was the magic moment of the year for me. You getting that video loaded really faster than I even explained it right here. It's so much faster. Well, Apple iPhones screen recording feature makes it, (laughs) makes it very easy, but no, it was, it's a matter of just playing it at the right time, making sure it matches up and all the stuff that you do technically backstage i sit a lot of times my seat is sitting by you between gigs of getting up to announce things just sitting by you watching you do all this stuff 
and it's just it's like watching a magician backstage. It's just amazing. So thank you thank for you. all that you do. But that was my that was my memory, and it's a cool thing for Gabe too. I wanted to do for Gabe, even though I never met him. I just thought that guy deserves to be remembered. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, Alex has done a lot of things to make you and I sound great, look okay, and and just really brought this to a, a level I never dreamed it would be. So, guys, it's been a great year. I look forward to next year having even more fun. And uh, I I wish I could make it to Nashville for the Christmas show. and But I'll definitely get together with you at the New Year's Eve event at Charlie's. And I can't wait to end the year on those two great notes as well. I want to spend it with family, New Year's Eve with family down at uh, the, 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 uh, the, the Ice House and the, the Silver Moon. And uh, it's still the Ice House to me. Yeah. But I'm I'm looking forward to that. Thank you for a great year, both of you. Uh, it, it's like family when we get together. Always we say that, and it's true. And uh, to all the Elvis fans out there, thank you for listening during this year. And uh, if there's any of the episodes you missed, they're still available. You can still download them. They got some great info in them. And uh, uh, having no plan for this year, I can't wait to see what we come up with next year. <laughs> Probably about the same plan. <laughs> all right, I'm Tupelo Tom, and I'm Big Lou. And, and we're, we're done, done talking. talking. Yeah, well, not exactly together, but we're still done anyway. <laughs> Have a great new year, everyone. If you've enjoyed this episode of Tupelo Tom and Big Lou Talking, please visit us online at www.tupelotombiglutalkin.com and on Instagram and Twitter at Tupelo Tom Big Lou or drop us a line at tupelotombiglou at gmail.com. This podcast is made possible by executive producers Jeff Lewis and Tom Brown, producer and editor Alex Mitchell, technical advisor Michael Cullifer, promotions and marketing advisor Cody Dayanath, and also in part by our sponsors and listeners like you. Do you have an Elvis-related event that you'd like featured on Tupelo Tom and Big Lou Talkin'? Email us at TupeloTomBigLou at gmail.com to find out more.